Getting custom manufactured parts can be a difficult task. Some local shops are great, but some require order minimums or just won't pick up the phone if you aren't a large company. That's where Zometry comes in. Zometry is trusted by engineers and designers at NASA, BMW, Bosch, and more. Simply upload the design file you want to be manufactured and boom. In a matter of seconds, you'll get an instant quote and access to dozens of manufacturing processes like CNC machining, sheet cutting and fabrication, 3D printing, injection molding, and more. Plus, you'll have plenty of delivery window options and prices available to suit your budget. Worry less and get the parts you need manufactured with Zometry so you can get back to building. Zometry, where big ideas are built. This is Aaron Robison from Pipeline Design and Engineering. Today we are chatting with Dave Jones from DE Design Works. After getting a degree in electrical engineering, Dave began his career in 1999 at a NASA joint venture, and over the past 22 years he's focused on growing his business, which provides engineering services, specializing in taking electronics all the way from napkin sketch to production. On a fun and personal note, Dave says problem solving is what makes him tick, and in his leisure time, he plays in a band. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So first question is, what instrument do you play and what kind of band is it? Yeah, so I, um, I was a jazz player and I went to college on a performance degree playing upright bass. So uh, that's my, my core instrument, but I also sang and play guitar. And so I'm playing lead guitar and singing backups and playing an organ with my feet in a blues band right now. So oh, just played Friday night. Very fun. That would be fun to come listen to you and that. Not just an engineer, but a cool engineer. So that's um, inspiring for everybody, probably. So Dave, tell us what made you decide to become an electrical engineer? Yeah, so uh, as I mentioned, you know, I went off to college to uh, be a musician and realized, you know, maybe that's uh, not, uh, there's there's other opportunities out there that maybe I would enjoy as well. But in high school, I just, I liked uh, jazz band was my favorite class, but I did have a class in physics and really enjoyed that. And uh, my great-grandfather was, uh, or great-uncle was Gene Autry. And then I had another great-uncle who was F.L. Maytag. Wow. And so uh, lots of engineers. My dad was an engineer. My grandpa was an engineer. And so uh, it just kind of made sense to try out engineering. And I, as soon as I got in there, I just loved it. And I I, I really enjoy the, the logic of things and putting things together. And it relates a lot to music with uh, music theory and how you know, frequencies go together and amplitudes. And, and so, um, that, that just, uh, I've kind of banded together with a lot of engineers throughout my career who are also creative types and playing bands and things like that. And, um, it's just a lot of fun on that design side, that front end creativity where, where you can kind of couple that with, uh, engineering. So that's neat. So were you more dissuaded from music for a particular reason or, you know, was like, Hey, I need to get away from music or were you more called to engineering? Would you say, or something different? Yeah, I think it was something different. I, um, it, it wasn't a dissuasion from music. It was just realizing that I needed to drop out of college and just move to New York if I wanted to do anything with music. And, and I was kind of knew I wanted to have a family and, and, you know, I grew up in the Midwest and, 
you know, it was, uh, it was, it was kind of one of those things. It's like, Hey, I'm already here. I'm basically a, a free ride to college. So why not stick around and do some other things? College was fun, right? It's great. Yeah. 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 I was still there some days. <laughs> <laughs> some days. Yeah. I hear you. So it was really a more, it was a really practical choice. I mean, it sounds like you really had your head on straight of saying, Hey, well, you know, what's life going to be like? Uh, let's, yeah. let's figure this out as a big picture. Well, hey, I, it's, it's proof right here. You know, I mean, I'm playing in a band on the weekends and I have a, a great career in engineering and I love my job. So it's, uh, you know, and I still get to travel. So that's neat. Well, hopefully that helps some listeners. You know, I, I mean, I remember for me, I feel like I always wanted to be an engineer, but um, even still there's choices, but you know, you had some pretty vast differences and I think a lot of people face that of what's, what's the path to take. So hopefully that helps people. Tell us a little bit more about you or your business, really like some of the nitty gritty details and interesting details that we probably wouldn't read about you on LinkedIn and your website. You know, those always have some interesting facts, but what's the things that we wouldn't know if we weren't talking to you in person? Yeah, I think it's just that, I mean, we have an amazing team here, right? There's uh, 26 of us uh, working together on projects and doing all kinds of industrial and medical device uh, product development things, but you know, over the years, it, it takes a lot of hard work to have your own company, right? And if you're starting your own company, you're risking a lot and, and you're uh, in the trenches. And, um, you know, you know, you still have to work hard throughout your whole career. Don't get me wrong, but uh, there's there's a lot more risk there to, to you and your family and you have to kind of weigh that in. And uh, So I, I think that's really it is that the reason we're so good at what we do and we have such a strong team is we, we work together. It's, you know, kind of a family and you're, you, you take on so, something to, to take it across the finish line for a customer and you gotta, you gotta get it there. Right. So, uh, I think, I think that's the biggest thing is the, the grit that it takes. And it's, it's a bit of that Midwest show me, uh, state kind of grit. Yeah. So, uh, that coupled with the creative culture that we have here, I think is the stuff that you may or may not see, uh, but the, once you work with us, you, you get it. So. Yeah. You know, you mentioned, uh, it's kind of like family there. I'm curious, what approach have you taken in your business of, Hey, let's make this more of a family environment versus a team environment. You know, there's certainly pros and cons to everything. What approach have you taken? I I think about that a lot more now that the company is larger, but early on when we were just starting, um, it was more of, uh, everybody needs to eat. Let's make sure and, and keep the projects rolling and, and things like that. So it becomes, uh, almost like a farmer mentality, right? You got to, you got to go out and get the job done every day. Um, but I, at the end of the day, you're, you really enjoy the work and it's fun and it's exciting and, you know, nobody's there to hand it off to, right? You got to get it done. And so, and that, that's the mentality of the team. And I think now, um, there's a lot more, uh, you know, people to lean on and, and everybody can kind of count on each other and, you know, so when you're bringing up that first board, right, that's the critical moment. You, you spend all this time drawing schematics, doing a layout, designing it, picking the components, making sure you can buy the components, making sure the, the cost is the right fit for the customer and the feature set. And you bring up that board and then you're you're writing the software, right? You're putting in that software. So each at this point now, it's, it's less of a one person doing all the engineering. It's a whole team of people doing each piece, right? And you're, so you're working together and and it's really exciting to bring up that first board and get out of the run and see LEDs flashing, see communications working. And then you're doing the mechanical packaging around it, right? And so 
you know, I as as you start doing project and project and have all these parallel projects, you see things. Um, you know, we've done brain surgery equipment, we've done electric vehicle chargers, uh, you know, stuff for agricultural drones, um, you know, control systems for HVAC things, uh, furniture that has motors in it, moves around. I mean, just all kinds of of different variety of things. And so that that's just a lot of fun. And you get to work on different things all the time, but it's all, our, at least what we do is all around that circuit board and then firmware and that core knowledge of of that. And so we build up these libraries of reusable circuits and things. So you solve one problem once, but Reuse you know it. what? You, you need a USB charger and all kinds of, of products and you need serial communications and everything, right? And ethernet, you know? So it's like, we've done that a million times. And yeah. uh, not everybody who builds a, a medical device has done that or, you know, or, or, you know, somebody who wants IOT, wants to add IOT to their HVAC system or something like that. It's, they don't know where to start. You know, what wireless should I use? Should I use Bluetooth or Wi-Fi or LoRa or wi- Wi-Fi Halo or what is Wi-Fi Halo, right? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of that and, and we've already used it in three projects. So, so. Say specifically, we, we we wanted to take a family or a team centric approach in your company, but instead, more just by being united around an objective and the work. That's just by default has brought you closer together to to really have that type of environment. Yeah, and and uh, we have a lot of comedians and musicians and characters around here, right? So it's yeah. it's it's a lot of fun. You know, everybody it's it's uh. You know, people are pretty down to earth and, and, uh, we, we're, we have a good time. You know, there's lots of joking and things like that where you're working through the day. And so we kind of have it by, by default. We just don't hire people who aren't fun to be around. Yeah. <laughs> Life's too short, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and we do that with our customers too. We align uh, ourselves with customers that, you know, they, they, they have a purpose and try, you know, they want to develop products, but. They're also good people to work with and, you know, nobody wants to get yelled at and everybody's yeah. on a timeline, right? So let's, let's all figure out a way to, to get it done and, and deliver the right solution at the right, as quick as possible. <laughs> let's see if we can help some people out with their careers. I think a lot of our audience is, uh, you know, trying to figure out their career path, either it's way ahead of them or they're at a junction um, for some reason. If we go back to the beginning of your career and you worked at NASA, I think in 99 at a joint venture, I mean, usually that's, you're probably used to like, oh, wow, you're, you know, you're a big deal, right? You work for NASA. That sounds pretty admirable. What was your experience there at NASA? Yeah. I mean, for interviewing purposes, I would say never underestimate your opportunity, right? So if you get a shot, go in and take it, right? I mean, I I honestly, I I showed up for that interview. Not, I thought they're not going to hire me and I got a job. It was fantastic. So I had, uh, I actually had, I was playing in a band touring around the country and uh, graduated with my double E and my wife was a, uh, also a musician and she got a full ride to go to Florida to go get her master's. And so I kind of, I, I quit the band, followed her down there and just took job interviews and happened to get an interview at NASA. So you never know what can happen. So, you know, it, it, it can't hurt to send somebody a resume and follow up and call them, right? Yeah. <laughs> What kind of work did you do there? Yeah, so I was on the Pat Electrical team. So it was a, a Boeing Lockheed Martin joint venture that supported the uh, shuttle program during ISS. So we um, 
you know, we were able to, uh, basically we, they hadn't hired engineers for a long time. Right. So I was working with all these guys that, you know, were in the development guys in the sixties at NASA. And so we, they hired a whole bunch of, of, uh, young kids out of college at the time, right. To kind of work with them and, and help promote the, the space program and, um, all the software was being rewritten. The pad was being outfitted with all new sensors. And because they had all the ISS money, right, the International Space Station at that time. So you kind of remember all that happening. And it, we were launching all the time. I mean, I was there for over 30 launches in like a three-year period, basically. And and that's a lot. I mean, so I had an office under Launchpad B. And I had an office um, at the the regular office, and then I had a uh, a seat at the R and D lab too. And so our responsibilities were the hypergolics, liquid oxygen, liquid nitrogen, all the refueling, all the anything electrical on the pad, anything up to touching the vehicle. And so it's a lot of sensors, a lot of PLC kind of control things, and um, so. From an R and D standpoint, we had a a funded project where I got to work with you know, VX Works and it, like embedded systems, and so we took this old 1960s launch control bus and we would we pull the data off of it, and then we would also take the you know all the new you know control we act, I actually beta tested control objects for Alan Bradley, and so all the Alan Bradley big wigs came in and I got to meet all those guys, but um, I would. We took the data off off of control net and put it onto the launch pad system and then also pulled it off. So basically we could we had two systems, the old system and the new system in parallel. We could see the sensors and and so every time there was a launch, we had to work twenty four hours uh, a day. We had to have people monitoring the pad and, and fixing things, going out of red crews in the bunny suits and and make sure that we could fuel the the, the bird and get everything ready so that when they they ready to launch. They could launch, right? And and there, it's it's a huge complex environment out there. And so, um, so anyway, yeah, I'd sit in a little head, sit in the control room with the headset, and they'd say, "Oh, is your system ready?" And when it came to you, it better be ready. Wow. But what I found there, you know, after being there for a year and and being in the control room for the launches, and and uh, it was fantastic. It was great, you know you fall in love with the engineering and all that again and the space program was fantastic. But what surprised me is I really liked being in the lab and, uh, and working with new technology and then trying to get married out with the old. I mean, that's kind of what I do today. Yeah. And, uh, so I, they cut the funding for all that. And so that I would probably would have never left. The lab was fantastic. Uh, just working with all the new stuff and just trying to figure it out and, and, and make it all work together. So, so tell your story then from, you know, being a musician, obviously you said how you went down to NASA following your wife and then getting in there and then they cut funding. Bring us to now, uh, to your journey of how you decided to start your own business. I mean, that's quite some jumping around. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, uh, did a little contracting down in Orlando and then I, uh, got an opportunity to come to St. Louis. And of course, uh, I was from St. Louis. My wife's from Kansas City. So we decided to come up. We knew we wanted to have a family someday. Lots of relatives. My dad, who's a power electronics expert, lived here. And so um, I designed a, a an automated welding uh, line of equipment for a company. And, and um, after that was done, that was a two-year project. And uh, 
there wasn't much design work to do. And I'm Jeff, definitely one of those front end design kind of people, right? And so uh, my dad, uh, who was a, he had started a company out in Silicon Valley and then come, came back to St. Louis at the time. And so um, I, I grew up with electronics in my basement, right? And, and my dad was a VP at Everson. So uh, motor controls, that kind of thing. And so he needed a little help on one of the the uh, kind of consulting projects he was doing where he said, hey, you you know how to write code, right? Can you figure out how to program this microcontroller and controlled motor? And I said, that sounds like fun. So I just uh, came over at nights and weekends and over about a six-month period, we, we got a, a very interesting control system up and running and uh, the company we were doing the work for, we had a lot of patents and went very well. And then uh, after that, people kind of started finding out that I could do embedded uh, C programming. And so I kind of learned a lot of that on the fly. I was, uh, I think I had about a year's worth of schooling on C programming and assembly language. And uh, and that was it. I was definitely a double E. So I understood how to read the data sheets, configure a microcontroller very low level. And uh, we do, we're doing field orientated uh, slide mode observer space vector PWM stuff. So it was very math intense, motor control and got it working. And at the time I, I was just working on a project. I didn't think it was a big deal. And later I found out that's really hard. <laughs> and so uh, from there, um, you know, I just, I ended up getting a lot more uh, customers to the point where uh, one day I just came home when my son was about three months old and told my wife I quit my job. <laughs> so well, it's fun. Yeah. Why? Well, you know, it, it just wasn't a challenge where I was working and, uh, I, I like challenges. So, uh, so I worked out of the basement for a while and then, um, I had too much, too much work and actually got colon cancer, which was fun. And, and so I did chemo for a long time and I became a project manager then. And, uh, so soon after that ordeal was, was done, I said, you know what? Um, I have a lot of customers and we had a lot of 10, I, other people like me around the area that could, could write code. And so we banded together and I made them all full-time employees and went from there. And, and so now we have about 26 employees. So. Well, you make it sound easy, but I'm sure it wasn't as easy then and you're you know you can laugh and smile about it now today now you have a company of 26 people how much time do you still spend doing engineering versus really just running the business yeah it's uh, so i would say i get i talk to a lot of customers and i try to find out their pain points right and and, and a lot of times people will you know they know their business and and it's a great fit if they they have an engineering team that understands what they're doing and the technical details and requirements, but it's hard to pull that out, right? It's, it's actually a challenge to write a spec. And, you know, and so from our viewpoint, we understand the reuse of schematics and firmware and then integrating in brand new technology, brand new sensors and wireless and things, right? So it's, um, what I find I do is I, architect these solutions around the pain points and then we choose the proper technology right so it's it's solving the problem first not finding solutions for the tech the, for the hardware i mean it's it's what are you trying to do and then designing in what they really need 
And, and then also properly sizing the scope of work, right? So identify the pain points and identify the risks and then uh, match your statement of work to the risk, right? So you're, you're, you're always improving up upon the business case that way and getting them to market fast, but also it, it allows for changes. It allows for, you know, that fail fast mentality, right? So what are we most worried about? Focus on that, get that out of the way, and then you're off and running, right? The brain surgery guys were, were great for that because um, they didn't know if, if the, the technology was even going to work. And so we, we got some off the shelf things. We did a proof of concept. The guy came in and with a pig's head and did surgery on a pig's head and said, oh my God, this works fantastic. This is exactly what I want. And, you know, at that point it was just some stuff on a table, right? But we proved that the vacuum and using his gripper to pull out a, a plot in someone's brain was very effective and was much better than what was on the market. And then from there, that that made it easy, right? We just said, okay, let's go as fast as we can and develop a product. And so to, to really answer your question, I mean, it, it's a mixture, right? So I'm working on the business case of, of other people's businesses and the architecture of what do they need to solve the problem. So it's still engineering. It's just I'm not drawing a schematic today. I haven't driven a, drawn a schematic for four or five years, and I haven't written a line of code in probably five or six years, but I'm still architecting these solutions. And, and it's not just me. There's other people on our team that, that help architect. And then once it goes down to, okay, now we're going to start writing code, right? Our, our software engineers are architecting those solutions. So that makes sense. Yeah. So you're staying, you're technical in the sense of you, you can really speak to the solutions that you can help your customers with on their business case. Um, and you need to be technically sound in that regard so that they understand. So you go to the problem and shaping it for the business. And then, yeah, it's the evolution of the, of, of what I, you know, the, the, um, the job description, right. I mean, I, I, it doesn't make sense for me to write a USB driver. Yeah. Right. So, um, it begs the question, do you think somebody could do sales in your industry without being technical? It's tough. I mean, so we actually have a position here that's, that's quite unique. We, we, uh, Bob is our creative technologist and he used to run an advertising agency and has a marketing degree and he's fantastic at drawing these concepts and, and, uh, and then he does industrial mechanical design as well. Right. So he's, um, but he, he's, he has an art degree and it, it's, it takes a while to understand what we do and how we do it. But, um, I would say that it, if if you just have all the engineers, all th they all are going to it's that squat square uh, square peg and around all kind of syndrome, right? Or, or or think of the graphical user interfaces that, that are engineering developed, right? That aren't don't have the art and creativity aspect, and and so that's really important to have both of those. And so you want non technical people to ask those questions, and and anytime somebody says, "Hey, I have a dumb question." A lot of times the engineers go, yeah, I don't know. I didn't think of that. <laughs> so it's, it, it's a good mix. You know, the, the, the world is round. There's lots of different people in the world and it takes a village, right? Just like raising kids. Yeah. No, thanks for that input. That's uh, a discussion that I've heard oftentimes and uh, yeah, it's good to get your take on it. Get the diversity there as well. How, how do you compete with 
lower cost businesses in other countries? Yeah, I think the um, the time zone is a thing, um, and you know we what we offer is IP ownership, right? I mean, it, we're just we're just very transparent with customers, so it, it it takes a collaboration that you can't just design in a in a vacuum, right? And it, it and so I think that's really important, and and the communication barriers that exist and the time difference and things like that. I mean, you, you know. Small and medium-sized companies just can't, you know, they can't deal with that, right? I mean, maybe some large companies that have an entire establishment overseas. But I, we see that too. I mean, we're working with teams overseas. So I, now we don't subcontract to any, I mean, we're a U.S. company and we do all of our work internally, right? Except for maybe pulling in a few software resources or something. But um, it's all U.S.-based, all U.S. people, and we're all in the same time zone. Just kind of, um, it doesn't it doesn't become a, a competition thing because we're designing rugged things that are designed in the U.S. and so it's just a different market, right? I mean, there, there's a market. There's plenty of work for everybody, right? I mean, we still don't have flying cars, so we we there's a lot of engineering work to do now. But it's hard. I mean, hardware is hard to do, and there aren't enough software resources in the world that can actually do a good job of, of writing real object oriented, um, well, well-structured code, well-documented code that's supportable and sustainable. Um, so there, there's plenty of, um, opportunities in engineering. Absolutely. And anybody that says AI is going to take away all the software jobs. I, I, I haven't met any software programmers I know that are worried. <laughs> I do dabble in home projects and some other things and it will, I've gotten, AI to generate code for me, but not that works yet. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Well, it, it, it it's a tool. It, you know, you want to have great tools. It's a brand new, excellent tool to use, right? But it's not. When we get flying cars, then I'll then maybe I'll expect it that we won't right. need programmers after that. That's that's the holy grail is uh, flying cars. That's good to know. Okay. Hey, we're going to do a real quick break just to share that teampipeline.us is where you can learn more about how we help medical device and other product engineering or manufacturing teams develop turnkey equipment, custom fixtures, and automated machines to characterize, inspect, assemble, manufacture, and perform verification testing on your devices. Today, we are talking with Dane Jones from DE Design Works, and he was just sharing a lot of his background and uh hopefully that we'll get flying cars one day but he thinks that's a long ways off so that's uh that's when we know that we've arrived not not, not there yet with ai yeah right <laughs> years a little bit and go to uh education so knowing what you know now after owning businesses and working in this industry for a long time what's a class that you would add to university engineering curriculum I, I think there's still um, a gap for embedded firmware in general, um, especially in feedback control, real-time systems, and, and maybe the architecture of different systems, trying to think about it that way. Because I, I think maybe at, at the, the school level, there's some thought of, you know, the Raspberry Pis writing Python can do everything, right? And And that's not really true. And then the other side of that coin is, you know, they're still teaching assembly language, right? And you need to understand that as a basis. But um, it, at least where we live, C programming is 
is, that's the the tool at that low level microcontroller and MP level. And if you can do that, I feel like you can do anything. It's hard to go the other way. If you start at web programming and try to understand real time control, it's tough. So I, I would say that a, a, a true firmware, uh, real time control, feedback control system type of class would be fantastic to add. And then also just, um, a bit of uh, business finance or something like that, just understanding the, you know, how, how that works. You know, how do you go get a loan? How do you start your own business and what to watch out for? And those are almost specialty classes you have to take sort of on the side if you want to get them right, if you can, if there's even the class available. Yeah. So, okay. So if you're going to add that class, you can't add without taking away, what class would you take out of the university curriculum? <laughs> um, gosh. Uh, I, I'm not really sure what to take out of there. I think that there's a, a lot of classes that that aren't really needed, but uh, that that's a whole other topic about about universities. So yeah, um, <laughs> and it, it might be different now too. I don't know if you're staying up to date on classes or not, but yeah, I think about what I use and what I don't use. A lot of it's relevant and some of it less so. So uh, you've hired a lot, at least 25 people. I'm sure it's been more than that. Uh, when you're hiring, can you describe what it is that you're really looking for? You said, obviously, you know, I think you said if they're not fun to be around. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, I mean, just good people, right? I mean, uh, people who are caring that, um, you know, they care about the project, they care about the work. You know, we, we definitely don't hire anybody that's uh, I just want a job. I want to clock in, clock out, right? We're not the place for, for, for that. Um, you have to just get excited and light up and maybe, you know, you want to work with, with circuit boards and you want to write code and, uh, and, and you're always learning, right? I mean, somebody who's, who's doing ho- their own hobby projects and can't sit still, you know, that, that's fantastic. That's the kind of energy we want here. Um, and then, you know, we do have a fantastic co-op and internship program here. And um, all that's on our website at DE Design Works. And, you know, we take, you know, anywhere from one to three co-ops and um, we hire a lot of them. So we, it's kind of all small organic growth. We're not trying to get too crazy. And, um, but, it, you know, I had a, it, we usually, we try to take co-ops, right? But um, we did actually have a summer intern here and we just, we do a lot of R&D projects. So you're getting time, hands-on time in the lab. You're working with a lot of different types of engineers and um, we, we put them to work. So if you're coming here for an internship, you're, you're going to be working on something. And then, you know, a lot of our customers get some free labor out of it too. You know, you uh, that experience and, um, and we're doing everything from really low level embedded micro Linux kind of gateway things and then cloud development things too. But it all has to, our, our kind of rule of thumb is we take projects that touch the hardware, have something to do with the hardware, right? So a lot of IOT connectivity things. So, so yeah, we, we do write, uh, iPad apps and things, but that's not something we push. We just, because, um, you know, we have people that that's what they do and that's that. They're fantastic at that. And we know where our, our focus is. So that's good. So it sounds like, you know, I think sometimes an internship or co-op program is viewed as an investment in the future and yet going to be, you know, pretty big burden, but it sounds like, you know, maybe there's a little bit of that, but you're getting valuable work out of them and uh, pretty soon they become valuable employees. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the idea. That's why we do it. We're, we're, I mean, it, 
we give it back to the community in other ways to sponsoring robotics clubs and things like that. But it's um, at the end of the day, we're choosing people that we have hope to to hire. But also, um, you never know, right? I mean, at, at the end of the day, I remember I, we were talking about when I was coming out of college, right? I mean, I was playing in a band, so I don't expect them to know what they want to do when they get to my age yet. So, yeah. <laughs> what are some of the hardest aspects of business? I mean, it sounds like things are just great and everybody would want to work at DE Design Works, but I'm sure there's been challenges. What What do you find to be really hard? Yeah, a number of things. I mean, it, at the end of the day, starting your own business, you have to be prepared to you know, write proposals, chase people for money, those kinds of things, right? And and just because you do a project doesn't mean that someone's going to send you a check. So you have to you have to do a good job. You have to have a good contract. You have to uh, work for people that are going to pay the bill. <laughs> and so alignment of customers, and so you know you 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 figure that out as you as you go. And I'm you know I can see you're shaking your head, right? It's uh. You get everybody gets some customers that's oh yeah yeah okay we're gonna do this and and you know the world happens and things happen right it, COVID happens and you know we're we're shutting our doors right oh sorry and so you have to be prepared for that and you have to be able to weather that storm so sometimes that's tough and and you know luckily we've never we've never downsized we've always you know even during COVID you know we just. We did a lot of research projects, built up our core, worked on our processes and things like that and didn't lay anybody off. Um, you know, and, and then the other, you know, other challenges are, are uh, you know, just in, in general with um, life balance and things like that, right? I mean, we, we do kind of hybrid working. So there are times when we're, you got to stay late, get the job done and, and, uh, really put in the extra hours, but there's also a lot of flexibility, and, you know, work from home. And, you know, at the end of the day, any tools like this are just fantastic because yeah. you can, you can collaborate online. And you don't have to be sitting and ask anymore, which is great. So. so it sounds like you kind of keep coming back to adaptability of, yeah, there's some hard, but there's always ways around it. All right, on that one, let's go to the kind of the magic wand question. If there, what's a tool that doesn't exist, but if it did, would allow engineering teams to work better, faster, or smarter? Yeah, I feel like I have to check notes on that. <laughs> I, th- I think I said sh- shrink ray was what, what I was thinking. Yeah, so um, everybody wants it smaller, cheaper, faster, you know, that kind of thing, right? So if, if we can just shrink everything, then that that's a... That, that would be fantastic. So, uh, you know, the Silicon guys are working on that for us. And and that keeps us busy because if you can make your product a, a quarter of the size in a few years, then that's another project for us. And we love that. Yeah. Would that get us flying cars? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I, any aerospace kind of things are are the weight, right? Because, you know, so that that's huge is is the, the cost and weight. So Yeah, if you could do energy storage smaller, lighter. That's and how it was the space station. I forget what the number was, but they had a calculation where it was like every, you know, every ounce or something like that cost another, you know, $800,000 or something like that to get it up in space. So I, I don't know. Just- Some of the trends you're seeing in industry. So people trying to go smaller for sure. But uh, what else are you seeing in, in the, your industry? Yeah, I think, um, 
RF is is a is a thing. There are some new RF technologies out there, and so trying to figure out how to make that better, right? I mean, we're at the end of the day, everything's connected, and so that that IoT buzzword is very real for us. Um, where and it's not going away, right? Nobody's got a silver bullet. Um, at the end of the day, RF is never going to be 100 percent perfect. So you just have to have great air handling. You have to have um, use the the latest technology to to try to work through the issues of um, of retries and and getting more range and getting uh, a smaller size by having less less battery. You know, some more efficiency in the power electronics um, and and just power electronics in general as well. Right? They're getting getting smaller. There's some new you know uh, silicon carbide type devices, uh, but there's trade offs in in every engineering decision. So um, things are continuously changing and, and even the um, regulations, right? I mean, the regulations around medical devices, home health, uh, that's, that's all changing, right? And is very much impacted with, you know, there's work from home. And uh, so the, all those kinds of things uh, affect the kind of products that people want and the way they're using it and the need for data analytics out in the cloud. So, how do I get the communication out there? Interoperability of communications, all the different things like EtherCAT and Profidan, Profibus and CanBus. So we we do all of that kind of stuff. There's a lot of work there where it's um, let's add some connectivity to our products, right? Whether it's wireless or wired, there's so there are a lot of choices, right? And so you, you need to have those conversations with your customers to make sure they understand. Um, you know, Bluetooth is just, you just drop that in now, right? Everybody's got Bluetooth on everything, but what are you going to do with it? And how is the user going to interact with the device? And let's make sure that's solid and make sure that's what the user wants. And they're going to, you know, what's the value of the data that they're getting out and how are they going to use it so that we make sure and we don't put a gig of memory on something if you don't need it, right? Let's, let's make, let's make it make sense and choose the components that make sense for for what you're doing and, and make a platform or, or whatever's needed for the future, right. For that ecosystem. And, and so I, I love that. So I love working with customers and asking questions and then helping them develop the roadmap. And that's like free advice they get by working on projects with us is I ask a million questions. So eventually they, you know, eventually we figure out what they need to do and what they want to do and, and it's great, and and I love seeing that you know years later, seeing seeing how we've helped these customers, and and they just give us project after project because we do a good job, and, and I, my team is fantastic, and so uh, at the end of the day, you got to get it across the finish line, and and that's that's our main thing that we try to work on. So. It sounds like you definitely see that there's no shortage of work. I mean, when you describe all of those, those are all huge problems to standardize on to figure out how to integrate. And yeah, never, never ending. Um, get back to kind of, as we wrap up here, more to the personal side, how well do you think you've been able to balance the demands of being a business owner, which are huge with personal and family responsibilities? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'd like to say I've done a pretty good job at that. I don't know. I'm not, so, but uh, I'm, I'm still married. So that's good. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, you, you have to do that. It, you carve out time, right? Uh, I'm, I'm an advocate for um, doing like weekly planning with you know, my family. I would do weekly planning. We're like, okay, this is what we're doing this week, you know, in grocery store and, and stuff. And so you got to have, you got to set some goals. And so, you know, every year you set, set some goals and say, this is what I want to do, have a bucket list. And it's okay. That stuff can change. But one, one thing I've done is I make sure for a, a week, I, the family goes on vacation. That's it. And I, I'm, I'm out. I turn off my phone. Sometimes we we even go out of the country or something. And so it's just kind of completely removed. And I think that's real important. And I encourage all my employees to do that too. And, and everybody does, you know, I, I think post pandemic, right. But for me, it was post cancer. <laughs> I mean, I spent 10 years getting my business off the ground. And when that happened, it kind of, you kind of realize, okay, I need to, you know, do some other things. So, you know, but it, if you, if you don't, you're, you look up and it's 10 years later and the kids are out of the house and you didn't ever see them. So, and, and then what, what's funny too, is that, you know, everybody wants everything done tomorrow. So, you um it it doesn't change right so you, you balance your time and prioritize what you need to get done and people and communicate right transparency with customers transparency with employees and and at the end of the day you're going to have um you're going to work with people that you know that they'll pick you up when when you need them to and and with customers that understand you know what's uh what's needed and you, you stay late and knock it out when you need to. And, um, if it's, a if you, if you want to go on vacation for a week, they'll understand it's yeah. okay. Good. Dave, what is it that brings you joy? And this could be work, personal family, it could be anything. What, what is it that brings you joy? Yeah. For, from a work standpoint, it's seeing, um, projects go out the door and, and seeing things in real life that we've worked on. Right. And I mean, I, I think that's fantastic. And, um, and, you know, personally it's uh, playing music and spending time with the family. Of course, that's a, you know, everybody's answer is spending time with the family. Right. Um, but I'll give you an example, right. I mean, then back to the, uh, the, the stroke, surgery, brain surgery stuff, right? I mean, I, I just remember a video that my one of my customers posted there in clinical trials. They showed there was an 80 year old lady that um was came in and and they said she would have lost all of her limb functions and um but they used this device that uh, we had designed, right? And they pulled the clot out and she walked out of the hospital the next day. And then especially if it helps people. Yeah. Uh how can people get in touch with you? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, my email is Dave at ddesignworks.com. So that's my direct email. But in general, just um, if you have a, a project you're working on, info at ddesignworks.com goes to a bunch of us so we can respond quickly. And uh, if you're interested in a co-op or something like that, uh, the HR at ddesignworks.com, we're always looking to hire. And so, you know, somebody who's real, real talented, especially if they want to live in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, lots of outside trail riding and, and things to do here. So it's, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll look us up on our website, ddesignworks.com. Great. Thank you so much for your time, Dave. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm Aaron Moncur. 
founder of Pipeline Design and Engineering. If you liked what you heard today, please share the episode. To learn how your team can leverage our team's expertise developing turnkey equipment, custom fixtures, and automated machines, and with product design, visit us at teampipeline.us. Thanks for listening. She's my pride and joy. She's my sweet little baby.